You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. O you of little faith, why are you afraid? St. Matthew was there on the boat that night. I wonder, as he wrote this text, the account, a few years later, how he remembered this occasion of Jesus calming the sea. If he could taste again the water as it smashed over his face and into the boat. If he could remember how the roar of the waves was as he tried to listen to the commands from Peter and James and the other ex-fishermen who were on the boat with them trying to figure out what to do. And the shaking, not just because the boat was rattling as it was being torn apart by the waves, but because Matthew himself with the other disciples was terrified that he was going to die. Matthew was afraid. The disciples were afraid. And Jesus was asleep. (laughs) Now, What happens next is for the disciples, but Matthew writes it down for us because the Holy Spirit wants us to have the same benefit as the disciples themselves who were there. The disciples come to Jesus and they wake Him up. Save! Lord, we perish! And Jesus wakes up and stands up and rebukes the disciples for their little faith and rebukes the wind and the sea for causing so much trouble and there is calm. At least in the sea there's calm. The disciples are marveling. What sort of man is this, they say, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Jesus had been rescuing people from demons, delivering them from afflictions. He had been healing them and saving them. But now he rescues his disciples from destruction. And they're beginning to learn who Jesus is. And that's the point of the text. Now, a lot of times, the text is preached like this. You're, if you're in the boat with Jesus, there will be calm sailing through the storms of life. But this simply isn't true. Everything doesn't always go well for us and for our family and for the congregations in the Lord's church. Sometimes we get sick and we just don't get better. Sometimes things fall apart and the pieces never get put back. Not every story has a happy ending. That's not the point of the text. Other people will preach the text this way. If we're in the boat with Jesus, there will be rough storms. And and this might be a little bit closer to the truth because the devil hates the church. And remember, he hates you. And he attacks the church and he attacks you. But Jesus himself promised this. He brings peace, not a sword in, he brings a sword and not a peace. In this world you will have trouble, promises Jesus. But again, this is not the point of the text. After all, Jesus does calm the storm and bring an end to it. There are some preachers out there who would tell us that if we have enough faith, then things will go well for us. We'll be happy all the time. We'll get the best parking spots when we go to the mall. Every day will be a Friday, this kind of thing. But look at the text. Jesus rebukes the disciples for their tiny faith. And he still calms the storm. The point of this text, the reason why we have it today, and the reason why Matthew has it in his gospel, is so that we would learn who Jesus is. We see that Jesus is a man. 
And we see this in the fact that he's sleeping, that he is simply exhausted from a long couple of days of work, from teaching and healing and delivering people. He's so exhausted that even the storm doesn't wake him. And we see that Jesus is God, who can stand there and rebuke the sea and the winds and the waves, recognize His voice and recognize His authority, and they obey Him. Jesus, your Jesus, is God and man. And He is doing everything He does for you. Which means that with Jesus around, there is nothing to be afraid of. If He wants to, He'll calm the sea. If He wants to, He'll let the sea wreck your boat and let you float for three days on a plank and land on some deserted island like He did with St. Paul and Malta. If He wants to, He'll use the sea to rough up your boat so that the sailors throw you overboard and then He'll have a fish eat you and, and drive you three days. I don't know if fish drive. Swim you three days and spit you out on the coast to put you back on the right track. And if He wants to, He'll have the waves sink your boat and He'll bring you to eternal life. No matter. No matter. There is nothing to fear. There is nothing to be afraid of. Not for you, Christians. Not with Jesus. Why, then, are you afraid? Why am I afraid? Why are we so tempted to panic or to worry? Why do we love crises so much and emergencies? Do you you know this? I think sometimes that our sinful flesh is addicted to emergencies and to crisis. I mean, the way it works for me is that if there's something on fire or there's a bomb exploding somewhere, then I can no longer need to wash the dishes. I can instead sit there and watch Fox, Fox News. Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe that's just me. You see, em- emergencies mean that God's normal ordering of things is suspended. I mean, normally, a doctor helps a person who's sick or wounded or hurt. But if I'm right there by a car accident, then suddenly I become a doctor and a nurse and a paramedic. Normally, a pastor baptizes the people in church, the babies. But if there's an emergency, the baby's very very sick or someone's near death, then anyone baptizes with water. And it's good for us to remember this. With water on the forehead saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit in case we find ourselves in such an emergency. You see, emergency is a suspension of God's order. Luther used to say it like this, and this was ancient even in Luther's time, necessity knows no law. And I suppose this is one of the reasons why the devil loves emergencies. It puts everything out of whack. And I suppose this is why our flesh loves emergencies too. Now, we, we, we should... We should know this because there are people who have figured this out. That emergency means the suspension of order and they try to use it to their own advantage. In politics, for example, and if you follow politics, you see this, everything is an emergency. Everything is a crisis. So we have to give up whatever sort of ordered freedom it is to avert a said crisis. And this kind of emergency thinking even makes it into the church. You've, you've heard this kind of thing before. 
People are dying all the time and going to hell. We have an evangelism emergency. And now because there's an emergency, we take people out of their normal life and their ordered vocation to go on mission trips or do evangelism stuff because there's an emergency. The youth are leaving the church and they're not coming back. We have a youth emergency. And now we use that emergency to change the ordering of worship and abandon the liturgy and invent new offices or, or whatever it is that we, that we want to do. I mean, everything becomes an emergency. Anything can become an emergency. The church is shrinking or the church is growing or the church is staying the same size. <laughs> emergency. They're false teachers. They're mean teachers. The building is too small or too big or too old or too expensive. There's not enough congregations, so we need more preachers. There are not enough preachers, so we need more congregations. There's not enough money. That's always an emergency. Emergency. And here's something else that happens in an emergency. When things are ordered rightly, what you need is a minister. In the nation, you need a prime minister, what we call a governor or a president. In the church, you need a minister or a pastor. But in an emergency, it's time for a leader. In an emergency, you don't want someone acting from the authority of their office. You want someone who can act from their own internal strength and fortitude. And in an emergency, there's no questioning of the leader. There's no time for that. Follow or get out of the way. So someone who wants to be a leader knows they better find an emergency or at least create one. Now, sometimes there really are emergencies. And mostly this is when people's lives are in danger or when they're coming to an end. There are times in this life when there is not time for patient conversation. There are times when you might be called on to administer baptism or medicine to someone who's dying. But these times are very few and very rare. Very rare. But pretend emergencies abound. And your flesh loves them. This undoing of God's ordering of things. And the devil loves it too because it injects fear into our heart. Why are you afraid? Look, you of little faith. Jesus is here and there is nothing to be afraid of. Even in a real emergency, there is nothing to fear. A word from Him will end all turmoil or it will bring you through it. And this is true for whatever trouble we have. Cancer? Poverty? Family trouble? You know whatever the storm is, Jesus can calm it. Or He can do something totally unexpected with it. Or He can use it to bring you to eternal life. The one who is sleeping in the stern of the boat is the one who is hanging on the cross and rising from the tomb and sitting at the Father's right hand. And all of this He does for you. He knows what troubles you. He knows. He knows. And He cares. And so He says to us, do not be afraid. There are no emergencies with Jesus. No fear, no crisis, only forgiveness and hope and promises 
and mercy. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.